<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. Uh, all right, let's get right into it. Yes, indeed, it was the uh, topic that uh, topic du jour yesterday on CNN, uh, where uh, I popped up and made a little news because the whole question is, it's a twofold question. All right, and let's jump right into it. And again, your your ticket eight six six fifty five press. The first question is, what's our attitude toward Donald Trump? Do we want him to succeed or not? Number two. And then two, what's the role of the Democratic Party in all of this? So let's take them one at a time, right? You've heard me say this before. I said it last week, and I pissed off a lot of people then, but I'll say it again today. Uh, I think when President Obama, I understand why they do it, and in their role, they kind of have to do it. When President Obama and Hillary Clinton both say, we lost, we, we fought a good fight, we lost, he won. Now, we all, we Americans have to get behind our new president and hope that he succeeds, okay? I understand why they have to say that. I disagree. I don't want to be on that boat. That bus is leaving the station or that train leaving the station. I'm not on that train. No, I want Donald Trump to fail. I, and I said this again yesterday on CNN. I want Donald Trump to fail at what he said he wants to do. He wants to overturn Roe v. Wade. He wants to deport 12 million people who've been here, some of them five, 10 years with their families and their jobs, who happened to, happened to have come here illegally. He wants to have a religious test for any Muslim entering this country. He wants to scuttle the Paris Climate Accord. He wants to scuttle the and, and, and rescind the Iran nuclear deal. He wants to do nothing about, he wants to repeal President Obama's uh, climate change or uh, EPA new regulations on coal-powered plants, which is, of course, related to climate change. He wants to repeal Obamacare and replace it with nothing. I don't know, did he say Roe v. Wade? He, he, he's promised to appoint judges who will repeal Roe v. Wade. So you go down the list. Why do I want him to succeed? No, no, no. I want him to fail at every one of those, uh, on every one of those issues. And I do believe, I'll say it again, if Donald Trump succeeds, America fails. That's why I want him to fail, not America to fail. So I think that's where we've got to be, which gets to the second question then. What is the role of the Democratic Party? Again, what do you think? Here's what I believe. First of all, first of all, I think the Democratic Party needs a total shakeup from top to bottom. Obviously, the party lost touch as Bernie Sanders was the first to point out, the party lost touch with its base. We lost touch with average working class Americans, good blue collar um, Americans working at those jobs who are just trying to make ends meet. And uh, we've all been celebrating this great big new Obama economy. Everything is back. Jobs are back. Yeah. But forgetting the fact that there are millions and millions of Americans 
that that train left behind. And they are hurting, they, are, they feel forgotten, they feel neglected, and they are angry, and they were not happy with the status quo, and the Democratic Party was giving them bumpkiss, except one trade, one more trade deal after another. So I think the party needs a whole shakeup in what its message is, what its priorities are, and who its leaders are. So that yesterday, for example, when a lot of people were appalled that the House Democrats said, no, we're not going to rush right now and reelect Nancy Pelosi as the leader of the Democrats in the House. Okay, look, I'm ahead of the Nancy Pelosi fan club. She's been a friend of mine for a long time. I love her. I think she's been a great leader. But I think what these Democrats were saying is we lost so badly that we just can't rush into continuing to do things the way we always did things with the same people leading it. So I think we ought to question everything. I would question Chuck Schumer and whether he's the right man for the job. Uh, I think Bernie Sanders has to have uh, an important role in the leadership of the Senate, for example. I think we need a true progressive, a real progressive Bernie Sanders type to head up the DNC. Keith Ellison's the best one to come along so far. Uh, so, uh, but there, you know, there there may be others. In fact, we're going to have one of them on our show uh, later today, uh, Elise uh, Elise Hogue, Hogue yeah, who's ahead of who's ahead of NARAL. So let's take some time to get this right. But let's not go let's not go forward. Let's not be in denial that the party. You know, we were talking about would the Republican Party survive this election? Now the question is, will the Democratic Party survive? The Democratic Party will not survive, in my humble opinion unless we have a big change and a big shakeup. All of the uh, time and attention that's been paid to what happened in the election, who lost this election for Democrats? Was it white women? Okay, women didn't come out and vote for Hillary Clinton the way that Hillary Clinton obviously thought they, that they would. Okay, do I think that white women or women in general lost the election for Hillary? No. Did uh, white men not show up and vote for Hillary? No, we did not. Did millennials show up and vote? No, they did not. But all of that gets back to the central issue of how the candidate ran their campaign and how Democrats ran their campaigns around the country. I mean, there is a way for Democrats to speak to these middle class Americans. There are Democrats who know how to do that. Any Democrat that gets elected in the South, they have to know. That's how you talk to your people. And that's where we should be looking. That's what we should be looking at, not necessarily to, to mimic what, what Democrats do in the South, but to look at exactly what you said. We've got to talk to these middle-class families, and getting into a pissing contest with Donald Trump for an entire election season is not going to win an election for Democrats. No, because he was speaking to them, uh, and Hillary Clinton wasn't. And uh, so the establishment, the establishment Democratic Party let America down. I hate to say it, but it did. The establishment Democratic Party let America down and lost this election. So the establishment Democratic Party cannot just continue the way it was, again, with the same message, same priorities, same leadership, ain't going to work, number one. Number two, then, what's the role of the Democratic, what's the role of the Democratic, what's the role of the Democratic Party, what should it be vis-a-vis the new president of the United States? I got to tell you, I don't think there's any doubt. The role's got to be resist, 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 resist. I come back to you. Do you want him to succeed? Hell no. I don't want him to succeed at all the things that he talked about. So I think the the Senate Democrats and the House Democrats have got to be there every step of the way. And if Donald Trump comes up with, for example, 
and I don't mean like the Republicans did, which is oppose, oppose, oppose everything just because Trump's right. name is on it. That's what they did with Obama, which was silly and very harmful to this nation. They supported the same immigration program under George W. Bush and then opposed it under President Obama, for example. So if Donald Trump comes up with a plan to rebuild our infrastructure, which we badly need, we've been talking about it for a long time, doing nothing about it, and creating millions of jobs, fine, we support that. But if he comes up with any of this other nonsense, these disastrous, dangerous policies of his, then Democrats, I think, have to stand in the way and use every tool to block, block, block Donald Trump's agenda, to resist the, the honest, honorable resistance. That's got to be the role of the Democratic Party, not just looking for any way that they can go along to get along with President Trump. Oh, it's the first time I put those two words together. I know. I just so. I, I read a really, really great piece uh, in the Charlotte Observer yesterday. It's called Hello America. It's North Carolina, and we know what's next. And North Carolina talks about. Remember, I mean, yeah, yeah, North Carolina it. went red it. a couple years ago, and they are dealing with horrible problems. I mean, businesses are yeah. fleeing out of North Carolina, not just because of the HB2 law. Uh, they have all kinds of economic problems. They go through all of them. I'll tweet this out from uh, our Twitter account, at BP Show. If you follow us there, you'll, you'll be able to take a look at it. But this is a vision of America. This is what America is going to look like with someone that's as, unhing as unhinged as Donald Trump with a Republican House and a Republican Senate. Yeah. This is what's coming. Look what happened to North Carolina. So we've got to get our stuff together. Absolutely, and that's what could happen to us. So again, Democratic Party, I think, needs a total shakeup, and the Democratic Party's got to be the party of resistance. There is no other path. David Jackson joining us from USA Today. So listen, David, what's going on at Trump Tower? Oh, just chaos. I mean, <laughs> semi-organized chaos, I guess I would talk about. You know, I, I left last night. I had some, you know, one of my foreign policy gurus wanted to go have a drink. So I went in and did it. I knew it was it was going to be interrupted, and it was. So it's just, you know, one thing after another. They're just trying to get their act together and having a few problems. You know, they found out a couple of days ago that when he made Pence ahead of the transition, well, Pence is supposed yeah. to sign all these documents and go through this whole process in order to secure cooperation with the existing White House. They didn't get that done until yesterday. Oh, oh. Uh, that was one of the reasons Pence went by Trump Tower. He had, to, he had the lawyers review the documents, and Pence went over them, and he signed them. And I, they did that. And that happened that so Christi, last So Christie had already signed those documents. Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. So Boy. in fact, in fact, they're still the White House was saying last night they still have some other stuff they have to get done in order to. You know, one of the reasons this is the reason the Trump people haven't talked to the Obama people yet is because all the paperwork still hasn't been signed. So. Well, I saw the, that uh, Ash Carter, the Defense Secretary, said he'd look forward to talking to the. Uh, the uh, Trump uh, defense transition team, but nobody's contacted them. Right, yet. exactly. Well, one of the reasons is because apparently, I mean, legally, they can't, they can't really cooperate yet. Now, I think all the paperwork is going to finally get done today, but you know, so, there, there, there's still some legal hoops that Trump people did, A, didn't know about, and B, still have to get done. So they fired Chris Christie, and then yesterday right. they fired Mike Rogers. Right, well, yeah. Well, Rogers left. I mean, right. that's still. another weird thing. You get all kind of stuff. A lot of people. A lot of people say that this whole Christie thing's overdone. That there's several people who didn't want didn't want to leave. 
uh, that, that Rogers left on better terms than people are saying. But it, it, there is a remarkable coincidence of the fact that people who've left the transition team did have ties to Christie. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also the, they also have alleged lobbyist ties. That's another thing they're putting up. Bill it. Pence who, also signed a document, yeah, pledging to get lobbyists off the transition thing. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I hadn't heard that. And I, which I don't see yeah. that's going to happen because that means a that means getting rid of a lot of people. And B, there's yeah. a lot. I mean, technically, Giuliani's a lobbyist, so I'm not really sure yeah. how that's going to work either. Well, I was going to ask you. Also, they float these names out there, like um, like John Bolton for Secretary of State, right? Right. Uh, I mean, who uh, is just the opposite. From a foreign policy point of view, I thought of what Donald Trump talked about during the campaign. I mean, Bolton's oh, that's a, a number oh, yeah, one hawk, true. right? Exactly. Yeah, it's you know, but Trump apparently was impressed with him, and the people on his team are impressed with him. Bolton's really been pushing it. You know, one thing to remember about a lot of these names, Bill, is a lot of them are coming from the outside. I mean, some people who support the contenders are the ones who are putting the names out. Uh-huh. That's true. But Bolton is on the list with Trump, and but. But, you know, I think that's the way it's going to be with a lot of his. A lot of his appointees are going to have positions that are contrary to those of Donald Trump. So that's another one of the things that's going to be interesting moving forward. And then Giuliani. Secretary of State job is tricky because Giuliani yeah. is pushing forward, too. So that's that's kind of creative. Uh, yeah. And so it looks at, at one day. So one day it's a Giuliani's got a, almost a lock on it. And next day is, well, he's got his business size and all these deals right. that he's then representing foreign governments would be just too big of a hurdle to overcome. So Yeah, I think that's what well, they ran his name up. He wants it. They ran his name up the flagpole, and that's one of the reactions they got was that Giuliani himself, his, his law firm, does an awful lot of international business, so that's something he'd well, have to separate himself from if he got the nod. Now, I'll tell you one thing that I've never seen before, David, I know with you, is Laura Ingram has been out on every show on Fox News auditioning for a press secretary. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah isn't that amazing? Yeah. 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 I mean... I, is is uh, that what you yeah. want of somebody who's going to be the next press secretary? I don't to know. To be out there singing her own tune? You know, I don't, uh, I don't know. She's really pushing for it. And um, the thing is, and that's a serious possibility in there. What they're saying is she'd be like Tony Snow was during the George W. Bush administration. You know, someone who's coming in from the actual media and does a lot of television work. Uh, basically, I guess it would be where Laura would be the public face of the administration on television. The, the deputy would actually be doing all the administrative stuff on the department. That, at least that's the way they're pitching it, and it's, apparently it's a serious situation. So, uh, and what? Maybe about, you should apply for the job. Uh, <laughs> I could never do that job, even for a Democrat, <laughs> because I wouldn't get up there and lie. Um, Steve Bannon, David, is uh, he in for good, or do you think the heat will uh, convince Donald Trump to change his mind? I don't think Donald Trump's going to change his mind anytime soon. I think he's in for good. Trump feels like Bannon did a good job organizing it. He feels like he's getting a bad rap from the public. But I tell you, there's going to be an awful lot of scrutiny of what comes out of that strategy shop and one misstep, I think, that uh, that could do it to him. Here at the top of the hour, Jeremy Herb from... Um Political. Jeremy, one of the big issues, of course, is um, the Defense Department. So, uh, maybe the two most important cabinet posts are Secretary of State and Secretary of Defense. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be the new Secretary of Defense? 
That's a great question. Um, and we've heard a kind of a rotating carousel of names. Um, Jeff Sessions, a senator from Alabama, uh, Donald Trump's first Senate supporter, was initially seemed to be the pick and seemed to sort of be closing in on that. Um, he De- defense, not justice, so he or... effectively had his 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 slate of picks, you know, as as one of Trump's earliest endorsers. That's that was what we heard from transition team 1.0 that came out of that last week. And it sounded like initially he wanted the Pentagon. Now, I don't know if that was calculating that maybe Giuliani was going to be at the AG or yeah. or if that was just what he wanted. Um, but in the past couple of days, that's shifted. And it seems Sorry, like he uh, <laughs> he may be more inclined to, to go to the to Justice Department instead. Um, but it's still it's still very much up in the air. So Sessions is one name. Any others? Yeah. So uh, Stephen Hadley was a kind of alternative that emerged. And again, you know, what came out of the first transition iteration may be different from what now is, is going on after the Christie crew was was axed. Um, but Stephen Hadley is a former Bush uh, national security advisor, and he would be seen as kind of a, a bridge to the defense, Republican defense establishment. And that's kind of they're really watching with this pick in particular. Um, you know, Jeff Sessions in some ways, um, you know, would not be as egregious maybe to them as other names. Uh, he still has some issues in the sense that he's been more of a budget hawk than a defense hawk. But Stephen Hadley really would be a bridge to that group that, that the government is going to be more maybe conciliatory to the, the never-Trump crowd. Um, some other names that have emerged, uh, Senator Tom Cotton yesterday, um, I heard from a source, um, and some others reported that he p- could be in the mix, um, which would be well, really a hawkish view in well, terms of uh, yeah, DOD. Yeah, I mean, he served in the military, but what does he know? <laughs> well, he's been a senator for, I believe, two years. He's been a House member for two years before that. Um, he's, he is very hawkish on the, on the Armed Services Committee um, when, it comes to, when it comes to Iraq, when it comes to ISIS, Guantanamo, uh, torture. Um, he's, he's laid out kind of very, very hawkish views. <clears throat> he sort of he sort of looks like he's in, still in military high school. <laughs> he, I mean, he is. I believe yeah. he is. I don't know that he's. For he was. Scout. He was the youngest member of the Senate in the last term. I believe he still will be. He's 39 <laughs> years old. So he would certainly be a, a young pick to run what is a yeah. giant yeah. federal bureaucracy. You know, that's the biggest the biggest part of the federal government by far. Not 39 years old. Oh God. So Hadley Cotton and. Um, and isn't Giuliani still being? I mean, Giuliani. The the the, the conventional wisdom now is that he's in line for state. Um, you know, along with John Bolton. Um, I think. I mean, the the the, the key of all of this is is moving targets, and there's a crew of people who are seem to be in line to get jobs, and where they wind up. Um, it's kind of been a game of musical chairs over the past week. Okay, so but if you look at Hadley, Cotton, and Bolton, let's say no, not Bolton for defense, but even if he's a state, he'd have a great influence on foreign policy. Obviously, of course. Uh, and on um, whether or not we go to war in Iran or whether we bomb ISIS or whatever. I mean, so these are all ultra ultra hawks, right? With a guy who, on again, when it comes to war, was saying we ought to get basically get out of the Middle East. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic because they all were supporters of the Iraq War and Donald Trump has said repeatedly he never supported it, which, of course, is not true. But, um, he, you know, he said we shouldn't be there. We should pull back. And that's at odds with these, with the basic tenets of these guys' positions, um, which is going to be an interesting dynamic if he does select one of them. Uh, Rand Paul yesterday was telling reporters that he is opposed, he's very much opposed to both Bolton and Giuliani at state, um, and he might try and work against them. Um, but 
I think this is going to be one of those things because Donald Trump is kind of all over the map when it comes to policy. We're going to see over and over again that he's going to be at odds with with his cabinet picks, no matter no matter who it is. So the Pentagon is probably the largest federal agency, correct? Yes, defense it is. is the largest. Yes. Okay. Uh, I mean, it makes sense given the size of the military and the size of that building. Pentagon, uh, not to mention all the bases around this country and around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, how m- much of the Pentagon? is really civilian. In other words, how many people will Trump have to appoint outside the secretary at the Pentagon? Quite a few. Um, I'm blanking I'm blanking on the exact number, but there are quite a few, you know, assistant secretaries and deputy assistant secretaries and principal deputy. I mean, those are all civilians. Those are or, all civilians. The mili- so, they could be military, right? But well, no, no. So there's a there's oh. a there's a divide. So there are, oh. in a lot of the a lot of the agencies there, you know, there's a civilian head and then, the, you know, there's a military component of it, too. So the military jobs will not change when Trump takes office from Joint Chiefs Chairman Joe Dunford on down. Mm-hmm. Um, the civilian jobs, at least, you know, the, the higher up ones that aren't the career ones you know those all have to be filled and a lot of a lot of people I'm talking to uh, you know a lot of the people in the defense Republican establishment are saying we want to see who's going to be leading the Pentagon before we decide if we're going to jump into this or not so that pick it's going to matter in terms of Trump's ability to actually be able to fill all those jobs and of course Donald Trump will be the commander-in-chief that he will ultimately make the decisions I guess, right? That's I mean, correct. But I think for, for a lot of people, especially maybe the younger kind of defense staff folks, it, yes, Donald Trump's a commander in chief and they, they that matters, but they also care about who's in charge of the building. Who would they be working under? Um, in some ways, that can kind of, they see that as a potential check on, you know, on Trump and, on, you know, especially if they disagree with him. So I think, I think, you know, that pick, and I think it's probably true of a lot of federal agencies that, that who he puts in these jobs is going to, is going to matter who kind of comes in under him. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Jonathan Swan looks almost as good as I do all the time. Hello, Jonathan from the Hill. So, Jonathan, what is Steve? What does Don, Steve Bannon want to do in the Trump White House? Do we know? Yeah, we have actually a very... I would recommend everybody, if you want to understand Steve Bannon's worldview and, and not just in a very crude way that, you know, some of the reporting's been, you know, pretty superficial. BuzzFeed published a transcript, the first time it's ever been published, of a speech that he gave at the Vatican in, in 2014. And I encourage all of your listeners... Bannon? Bannon at the Vatican. It's a 50-minute speech, and it's a question and answer. And he outlines his worldview in extraordinary detail. And you really get a sense of it's... It is not conservative in any fashion. It's There's actually a lot of anger at corporatists, as he describes them. If you took out a few parts of it, like the em- emphasis on immigration, 
it could sound it, it it could read a bit like a Warren or a Sanders critique. He talks a lot about the Wall Street fraud and about how none of these guys got prosecuted during the global financial crisis. He's really angry about that. He acknowledges that there are racist elements in the alt-right, but he sees it as, these. He, I think the phrase he uses, it'll be washed out. You know, this is all part of a bigger picture, mm-hmm. which is blowing out these elites and getting rid of them and overthrowing, you know, the, the elites. So it's a very interesting picture into a guy who is quite radical in his thinking. He wants revolution. Um, he's described himself as a Leninist. He has, <laughs> on the record. Well, I mean, he, he's well. a really interesting guy and i would really encourage people to read that speech so the um the wall the deport deporting 11 million or however many people right um uh, rescinding the paris climate change agreement a religious test for muslims coming into this country this is all sounds like steve bannon stuff and and that's that's what he's going to be pushing uh the the full yeah trump so election agenda the main uh, I don't think they've quite decided what to do with the 11 million. I I suspect they're still trying to figure that out. I think what we're going to see, they've promised to deport what they describe as criminal illegal immigrants. So we'll see we'll see what happens Which there. Which they say are two to three million. They've put so much emphasis on the wall that yes, they'll build the wall. I have no doubt they'll rescind whatever climate. I mean, they Donald Trump doesn't care about climate change. And and, and to be clear, like that's not Steve Bannon as the puppet master. Donald Trump just he I mean he said publicly it's a hoax perpetrated right. by the yeah. Chinese. I mean, he said that on Twitter. So I don't think that that's really Bannon as pub master. I think what we're going to see Bannon doing is some really interesting sort of coalition building. Like, again, his, this is a pretty profound, if you think about it this way, you have the chief strategist to the president of the United States helping him in all matters of policy while his website is promoting Marine Le Pen in France yeah. And then he'll be encouraging coalitions with these nationalist mm. leaders overseas. I mean, this is going to get pretty complicated pretty quickly. Uh, it's, yeah. So it sounds like he could be maybe one of the most powerful presidential advisors we've ever seen if, uh, with that reach. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I mean, Steve Bannon is the inc- intellectual architect for Donald Trump. I mean, Donald Trump is really riding on a movement that preceded him, that Breitbart and Steve Bannon have been involved in. Donald Trump didn't invent this. So before Senator Merkley joins us, um, and he and Chris Van Hollen uh, had their news conference yesterday, and and, and others, other members, um, which t- to put a lot of pressure on President-elect Trump to say this guy is not the right guy for the way. Um, is there any... Any chance you think that Donald Trump will say, oh, if he's that unpopular, I don't want him? No, zero. And, and, and the proof of that is that, you know, this stuff has already been litigated. Strong effort in the United States Senate yesterday to maybe build up enough public pressure to get a, a change in that, uh, in that um, thought of Donald Trump's. And that effort led by Senator Jeff Merkley from Oregon, who is kind enough to join us in studio this morning. Senator, busy days, so it's good of you to take some time out. Uh, you're welcome. Good nice to, be here. to see you. So what what prompted you um, to, to take a stand and organize some of your colleagues, uh, take a stand against Steve Bannon? 
Oh my goodness! Uh, you know, throughout the campaign, Donald Trump was attacking different parts of our our country, attacking Hispanics and African Americans and veterans and gold star families and individuals with with disabilities and and women. The list goes on and on. It was division, divide, and denigrate. And uh, I I I think we all hoped that uh, given that he had one election, that there would be a as he assumes the mantle of leadership, uh, a new Donald Trump. Uh, one who actually sees the the power and strength of diversity in America and sets aside the the strategy of of hate and division. Uh, but what we have seen is that as his chief strategist, he has brought in a white nationalist uh, whose uh, uh, website has been uh, uh, a place, uh, a home, if you will, for those uh, with racist views, uh, uh, misogyny, uh, uh, just uh, uh, ugliness of all types, and including against the LGBT community. And uh, so this is outrageous. Uh, someone like Steve Bannon should not be within 100 miles of the Oval Office. By the way, you mentioned white nationalist. He describes himself as a white nationalist. Because I've seen a lot of people saying, don't be so hyperbolic about Steve Bannon. He would call himself, and he does call himself, a white nationalist. This isn't hyperbole. No, there's an effort to uh, whitewash the situation and say, well, he's just a, a yeah. nationalist. He believes in America. Uh, and But no, no. You, you can check out the, the number of outrageous things that he's put up on his website. One that I think uh, uh, we all uh, remember is uh, just a couple weeks after the massacre of African Americans in a church in South Carolina where the Confederate flag was uh, symbolically displayed and presented as a, a symbol of that massacre. Uh, he ran a, you know, hoist it high mm-hmm. uh, article. And, it was uh, the headline. It was the headline. And that's just, you know, there's, there's not just one or two of these articles. We're talking a, a daily uh, strategy of inciting uh, hate and division. Now, Senator, the, we've heard so many people, Ryan's Priebus, Kellyanne Conway, your colleague John Cornyn from Texas yesterday said this on the Senate floor. Well, look, any new president has the right to name whomever he wants as his, that comes with the territory. You get to name your cabinet, you get to name your White House staff. Why shouldn't Donald Trump? Uh, he has the complete power to do what he wants, and we have the complete power to criticize it. When a leader is way off track and the values they're displaying are so at odds with the values of America, equality and opportunity for all, justice for all, when, uh, when promoting someone into the inner circle who doesn't share those values, the rest of us not only have the right to speak out, we have the responsibility to speak out. He, um, of course, would not require Senate confirmation. No, that's correct. that's correct. Yeah. No, we have no ability to uh, <laughs> to bring that debate to the floor. Right. So, in effect, what do you hope to be able to accomplish? How do you, you you'd like to see Steve Bannon not in the White House? How could how could do how do well, you think not, you can not, pull that off? Not only don't want Steve Bannon in the White House, we don't want anyone who brings his strategy of of hate and division. Uh, and I really uh, want uh, Donald Trump to pause for a moment and say, is this is this the way I want to kick off my administration? By uh, making my closest advisor, my muse, if you will, uh, someone who uh, hates the LGBT world, uh, who hates African Americans, who uh, attacks uh, Jews, uh, who attacks Hispanics. Uh, is, this, is this really the foundation on which I'm going to be a president for all of America? Uh, someone has to stand up and say, stop, you're way off track, you're just getting started, rethink this, 
Uh, and that's that's the message that I think so many Americans want us to to say. And I and and here's part of the reason why following his election, there have been thousands of attacks, cases of, of mm-hmm. bullying, uh, verbal abuse, physical abuse uh, based on people who say, hey, I'm free now to to uh think i guess act out on my darkest impulses because i've got a president who mouthed all these forms of prejudice during this campaign well he needs to reverse that and by he i mean donald trump donald trump needs to reverse that he needs to stand up and say we 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 are going to be a unified country we are going to fight to lift up all families and that means uh let's put an end to these acts of hate and have acts of kindness you, uh, I want to point out, were joined yesterday uh, at your news conference by uh, Senator Debbie Stabenow, Senator Maisie Hirono, uh, Senator-elect Chris Van Hollen from Maryland, uh, and I'm sure there are, uh, Senator Harry Reid spoke on the floor. There are other uh, Democratic senators and House members who would uh, join you in this. Yes, and effort. another five senators have uh, signed the letter. But right, uh, yeah. We'll be putting out the letter to, tonight. Uh, we may have a few more. The letter uh, to um, President-elect Trump? Yes, to President-elect Trump. Bernie Sanders has joined us. Elizabeth Warren has joined us. What can uh, average Americans out there, Republicans and Democrats, who don't like a direction that uh, that a Steve Bannon might try to take the new president, you know, can they write to Trump? Can they join your effort? Is there a website? or? Uh, they should any- call their House member and call their Senate member and say, in whatever form you can, whether it's public uh, or whether it's calling up the, the president-elect, uh, let him and his team know this is beyond the bounds. It's, it's, uh, it's just, just wrong, just simply wrong. Reverse it. And to those who say, which I've, the, uh, so I've heard two kind of responses in defense of, of uh, uh, Steve Bannon. Well, there are those who also say, gee, he's really a nice guy. You just don't know him. Um, I'm, I'm not willing to believe that, but... One is president has a right to appoint anybody he wants. The other is, yeah, this is what the website says, but that's not Steve. What Steve Bannon says, he's just the head of the website. The website is the, the articles are written by other people, not by yeah, him. Yeah, it, it's absurd. If you you see the what former staff members have said, he was his strategy and his desire to host a site and promote these views. Right. So I mean, yeah, it, it again. He is the website. He is the website. Right. Um, Senator, I want to ask about a couple of other issues that are going Today, they're uh, in the Senate. Um, an election for new leadership of the Senate. Uh, who do we expect to be the new Senate leader? Well, I assuming uh, Mitch McConnell will be the new Senate I'm leader. I'm sorry, uh, the, among the Democrats, right? <laughs> among yeah. the Democrats, uh, <laughs> yes. Yes, Chuck Schumer will, will be elected. We have basically a unanimous uh, caucus believing he's really the right person to take us forward. Right. Uh, and that takes effect, what, the beginning of the year? Is, uh, yes. He actually, yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the leadership team, do we know? Is that will, will that be decided today? It'll be decided today. I don't expect to see any uh, 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 big changes. Uh, I think uh, everyone uh, in our leadership team has been very valued, has contributed a great deal. We don't have uh, deep, profound tensions that have to be resolved. Um, there's been a lot of talk about, given uh, his remarkable performance in the Democratic primary, uh, that Bernie Sanders should have uh, a more prominent role uh, in the, on the among Democrats in the Senate uh, coming up. Do you, do you see that happening? Or do you, do, would, would you agree with that? Oh, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, 
Uh, now, you're, of course, you're talking to the only member of the Senate who uh, endorsed well, I, Bernie I, Sanders. You're talking to another Bernie Sanders supporter here, so right. Uh, I uh, have so much respect for, for Bernie. He, he speaks the, the truth. He speaks it articulately and forcefully, powerfully, and it resonated deeply. And uh, I think we should all pay a, a lot of attention uh, to, 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 to that. And so uh, he, he certainly, you know, the Senate's small enough that there's multiple ways to be influential without titles. But uh, I'm, I'm sure right now uh, he and Chuck Schumer are, are working out an appropriate way to make sure his, his voice is, is uh, very, very uh, prominent in our team. And if the Democrats have been able to hold on to the Senate, which we certainly had hoped would happen, uh, there might even have been a chairmanship for uh, Oh, there certainly would have would have been, and uh, depending on how the seats got jostled, that that might have even included health and education, which uh, I think would be a, a, a wonderful fit. I want to ask you a question that I get asked all the time, Senator, as a senator, as a Sanders supporter. Do you believe that if Sanders had, if Bernie had been our nominee, would Bernie have won this election? Well, so uh, I don't. I mean, the truth is, I really don't know. Uh, because there's so many things that unfold that you don't expect in any any campaign. But what I what I can tell you is that his message mobilized tremendous grassroots energy, and that tremendous grassroots energy is extraordinarily valuable in a campaign. You can have the best turnout mechanism in terms of deployed staff, call rooms, uh, yeah. uh, nicely printed printed pamphlets, and uh, so forth. But if you don't have that kind of energy, you fall short. Right. And that could have, I, I agree with you, we don't really know, but that could have made the difference in areas where he had a tremendous appeal, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, yes. and Pennsylvania. Yes, no, no, certainly. And I'll, I'll tell you what else. Uh, the One of the issues that affected those states profoundly was TPP and the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And uh, for many of us, it's, it's blatantly obvious uh, that if you hand your competitor an enormous economic advantage in the cost of production by saying you can pay lower wages, uh, uh, wages a tenth of ours, you can pay lower costs for environmental equipment, uh, and so forth, that your, your opponent's going to outcompete you because their, their costs mm -hmm. of production are lower, and therefore they are going to be the manufacturer and you're going to go out of business. So this is obvious. We've seen this uh, across America. And during the campaign, carrier heating equipment is going to Mexico. Mm -hmm. By the way, I'm replacing my furnace. I will not be buying a carrier uh, furnace. Uh, I'm going to, to uh, buy something made in America. Uh, the, uh, but the choices get fewer. And then the competitors say, well, their costs uh, have, mm -hmm. have gone down. Maybe we have to follow them. And then the supply train follows. And then the people who are employed who buy things in our grocery stores, they don't have the income. And so there's, it's, a, it's not just the initial loss of the manufacturing. It's, it's the supply chain. It's the income. All the it's all of, all of this. So when you visit these areas in Michigan, but I, would, I did seven canvas kickoffs uh, just a couple days before the mm -hmm. election in Michigan. And... Um, uh, you, those were the folks who were turning out, who were had the energy to leave their home, come down, get on the phone. But you could tell that it wasn't anything like the uh, 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 the fervor yeah, that we had that, four eight years earlier. Uh, I know you have to go, but I have to ask you one final question: Supreme Court. Um, any doubt in your mind? I mean, that's one of the first things that Donald Trump's going to do is send somebody else up uh, for the Supreme Court, and Mitch McConnell will try to ram that through. Well, what a Dem what no, are Democrats going to do? Absolutely. And uh, let's be clear. This is a stolen seat. 
this Supreme Court seat belongs to Barack Obama. Uh, the Republicans did something that has never been done in U.S. history and said, we're going to take it away from the president and we're going to hand it to the next president. Now, they, 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 they hoped they'd be handing it to someone who would appoint a far-right justice, and they have succeeded. Now, we really thought that we were going to save them from this assault against the Constitution by either winning control of the Senate or winning mm -hmm. the presidency. We didn't win either. So now the crime that was plotted uh, is going to unfold before us, and it is going to uh, uh, have a profound impact on the legitimacy of, of the court. We'll certainly do all we can uh, to block a far-right appointee who is out of sync with the vision of the Constitution, the we the people vision that our Constitution was founded on. Uh, but uh, ultimately, um, uh, there are, are ways that uh, we can be run over when, we're, when you're not in the majority. Senator, it's good to have you there leading the fight. Thanks so much uh, for all that you're doing, and thanks for coming in this morning. The Parting Shot with Bill Press. This is The Bill Press Show. Well, any thought that uh, Donald Trump as president was going to be any different than Donald Trump as candidate? Forget about it. Huh? No doubt about Donald Trump and no doubt about Steve Bannon either. He's a known, certifiable, racist, misogynist, anti-immigrant, anti-Muslim, anti-Semitic, white supremacist, and now he will always be at the president's side and in the president's ear. Look, every president's got a right to name whomever he wants to serve in the White House, but Steve Bannon's different. He doesn't deserve to be anywhere near the Oval Office. Yeah, we'd love to see Donald Trump rescind that appointment. That's my parting shot for today, folks. Come on back and see us again tomorrow for a big this Thursday. We'll the be looking Bill for Bush you. Show.